You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Haig for short, a housing group for older people run by old people. Present Raise the Roof! We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right. You're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Age Action Group show here on 3CR, 855 AM. My name is Shane. I'm here with Fiona. How are you doing, Fiona? I'm good, Shane. How are you? Good. I say here with Fiona, but actually, of course, we're in lockdown. So Fiona is in, what, East Gippsland and I'm in yep. uh, the you know, inner west, in a, in a northwest. I'm not sure anymore. Um, this week, we are bringing you an interview with Jasmine Barzani about uh, Bendigo Street, the... Uh, touching on the east-west link, the occupation of vacant houses there, the long history of gentrification and resistance. Um, I think you're going to find it really interesting. Shall we launch into it, Fiona, or is there anything you want to say? No, let's do that. Let's listen to Jasmine's Let's story. do it. Yeah. So we're joined today by Jasmine Barazani, who is a Kurdish anarchist filmmaker from Melbourne. Um, how are you going today, Jasmine? I'm good, Fiona. Thank you. How are you? I'm really well, surviving lockdown okay. Um, yeah, so we've got you on today because you're making a film, a documentary film about a campaign that happened a couple of years ago, 2016, I believe it was. Um, yeah. To reclaim some empty housing. Um, and we thought it would be good to have you on because HAG wants to support um, raising awareness of the issues of housing supply and we thought this was an interesting angle that our viewers may not have heard about so to start with would you be able to tell us a little bit about the Bendigo Street campaign where it is and and um, what it involved? Sure so in 2016 in a little street in the inner north of Melbourne in a pretty infamous suburb called Collingwood that most people will probably know about a whole street basically ended up being occupied by a group of like lots of types of people, but there was, you know, people who were experiencing homelessness at the time, there was activists, there was squatters, and, you know, all these categories kind of into the mesh as well. Lots of people belong to all the categories at the same time, but there was lots of people involved in it. And it basically went on for eight months, but there was about 15 empty government-owned properties that ended up being occupied as part of this political protest against the waste of empty properties all around Melbourne. At the time, there was about 80,000 empty properties and there was about 25,000 homeless people. So that is kind of a really obvious, clear injustice and a very wasteful kind of predicament that we find ourselves in, in the current state of affairs, where there is such a need, a chronic need that is like really uh, exponential, you know, increasing over the years for housing across all different types of people, all different, um, you know, walks of life, people who need housing, 
increasingly more and more and the state of the empty properties has you know maintained about six percent five to six percent of the overall housing stock so that was basically what people pro were protesting at the time in 2015 and it was really great it was a really incredible thing that happened a lot of people's lives were changed forever through that protest and also a lot of people were housed through that protest you know people were in need and they came and we were able to work together to get people what they needed at the time and that was a really beautiful thing so 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 these houses they were all on one street and they'd all been acquired by the government to build a freeway and then the freeway didn't happen and then they were just sitting empty is that is that how it happened yeah 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 so that's the exact way that it happened so basically people would know about the east west link but for people who don't know in 2014 the liberal government at the time dennis napthine in victoria in the state of victoria announced that he was going to construct this multi-billion dollar highway project that was going to connect Melbourne's east to Melbourne's west. And this was a project that was in the works for a really long time. Actually, I think in the 90s or something, or maybe even earlier, it was proposed, actually. And it was proposed by Labor at the time. And then, you know, it never really went through and kind of the parties just kind of flipped and flopped on it until finally Dennis Napman the Liberal Party guy in 2014, he put his foot down and was like, okay, we're going to build this highway. But it was a couple of months before the state election. And so that was really controversial because he was going to put forward this like incredibly expensive highway right before a state election. So people were arguing that he should have waited for the election so that it could be decided upon through the election rather than be decided upon prior to. Anyway, long story short, there was massive community opposition to this highway. People's houses were gonna be compulsorily acquired for the highway. So, you know, they got letters in their mailboxes saying, we're gonna, we wanna purchase your property to build this highway. So, you know, there was massive displacement that happened. Uh, people were pressured through lawyers and legal, you know, uh, resources that the government had at their disposal to threaten and bully people out of their homes. And so a lot of people ended up unfortunately forced to sell their houses. And one of the streets that had a lot of these houses was Bendigo Street because that was the site for the construction of an on-ramp onto this new highway. So a lot of houses on Bendigo Street were forcibly bought by the government against the will of the people who were living there. And just a few people resisted to the end and didn't sell off their properties. But in 2014, that's what happened. And that community opposition that occurred was successful. So, you know, it forced the Labor government at the time that was running in opposition to the Liberals, it forced them into flipping on their election promise. The initial election promise was that they would also build the highway. But because of the community protests, they were forced to change their position. So basically Labor changed their position into, no, if we get elected, we will not construct the highway. And so Labor was elected and a lot of people perceived that victory to be hugely at the, uh, you know, at the community, because of the community opposition. So- And then, and then the- 
then the houses sat empty for a couple of years and meanwhile homelessness is increasing um it's the homelessness yes. is more visible on the streets and the government owns all of these quite nice inner city houses that there's nothing wrong yes. with them they they've got some of them are no. really you know fancy and so then yep. the community decided to move in to those properties um and so yeah how, how did you get involved in in because you were one of the people involved at the time weren't you so how did you find out about it how did yeah. you get involved um and how long did people yeah. manage to stay there for yeah so it's a cool story it's really interesting so basically i was squatting at the time so i was like you know studying an undergrad at university this is the thing about housing housing deprivation is what I like to call it personally because it covers a really wide spectrum of how people suffer as because of housing and housing insecurity and instability you know homelessness is a real issue and it's really important uh, but a lot of people you know, suffer from housing insecurity and deprivation and insecurity who are not also homeless, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a, there's a lot of experiences like that that go on when housing is so expensive and unaffordable. And so anyway, at the time I was squatting, not homeless, uh, but studying full-time and kind of just, I guess, trying to get by on um, the, you know, money I was getting from the government for studying and trying to like study full time and kind of like, uh, like finding my, I guess, security and community through squatting and getting kind of security of housing like that through networks and through, you know, supporting each other and supporting other people who are also squatting at the time. So anyway, a friend of mine, who I was squatting with in Carlton, she heard about these empty houses that were acquired for the East West Link through the squatters grapevine, you know? People were just like, yeah, like those houses that were acquired for the East West Link, like whatever happened to those houses, like there must be, there must be heaps of empty houses around Melbourne that were acquired for the East West Link. Like let's, let's suss it out, you know? Let's try to find out where these houses are. So my friend just went online and she did a search, you know, okay, empty properties, East West Link, Melbourne. And, you know, an article by The Guardian clearly comes up, Bendigo Street, Collingwood, you know, heaps of houses, number 16, Bendigo Street, number, you know, um, clearly with the numbers on them, right? So she just goes down to Bendigo Street in like early 2016 to check it out. She had just been evicted from one of her houses that she was squatting in at the time by a bulldozer just coming and being like all right we're going to demolish the property now and she was like all right I have to scramble and get my stuff out immediately so she went down to Bendigo Street and she's just like okay there's an entire street of empty houses right so her and uh, her friends they end up just choosing the house that's the easiest to get into which was number 16 Bendigo Street at the time they get into there and it, it doesn't last even a week I think it's like a very short time because a government official comes with yeah you know like fully government official from DHHS uh Jim's mowing contractor was the person who discovered her at the time and he let out some interesting information too which was like oh yeah this house is managed by magpies nest or salvation army and so 
she was like, oh, okay, true. The Jim's Moan contractor calls up the police. The police come down with the government official and they kick them out immediately and don't give them any time to find alternative accommodation options at all. So that was kind of strange, to be honest, because as someone who's been kicked out of many places and like squatting and stuff like this, you know, a lot of the times the owners are pretty mean and they do, you know, kick you out and they say you're not allowed any time and they're really aggro and they're angry. But a lot of the times, in my experience, more often than not, the owners do give you some time, like they allow you at least a day to pick up your things and pack up and stuff. But this government official did not allow any time, like stood over them while they were packing up their things. So that was a bit of a, you know, quite intense, aggressive, violent action that enraged people and made people in the squatting community, activist community, homeless community upset. So my friend kind of just told everyone about that, actually got onto 3CR and had a conversation with Kelly and Spike from Ruminations and from the Homeless Persons Union. And then after that chat, they just kind of thought, all right, like what about what, what happens if we did something? What happens if we responded and we kind of, you know, drew, drew attention to this issue of, you know, there's at the moment like 300 plus, you know, houses that are literally empty because of the East West Link that are perfectly livable because they've just forced people out of their homes that they were living in. So they're ready to go and they're just being left empty. It's already two years since the East West Link has happened. So that's kind of messed up, you know, because at the time they had done a street count and, you know, I think the city of Melbourne does like a yearly street count or like every couple of years or something. They go into the city and they try to see how many people are sleeping on the streets in the winter night in Melbourne. And they try to, I don't know, use that as some kind of statistical measure of homelessness. So anyway, they did that that year, I think. And there was 300 or something people in the city about, or 200 somethings. I don't remember the exact number, but it was, there was enough empty East Westland properties to house everybody that was sleeping in the city at that time. And all of these houses were inner city houses. So that was pretty outrageous. And then at the same time, there was this murky issue of the magpie's nest management of these properties. And then did a little bit of digging and a little bit of investigation and found out that Actually, the Greens did recommend that the East West Link houses be put onto the public housing uh, stock so that people could actually use those houses. So the Greens did suggest that. And through some back and forth and battling the government at the time, which was the newly elected Labour government, which is currently still the same government that we have here in Victoria. So they ended up giving 20 houses out of the 300 plus houses that were acquired for the East West Link, they ended up giving 20 to a joint venture between the Collingwood Football Club and the Salvation Army called Magpie's Nest. So Magpie's Nest was given 20 properties, but we knew that through the Jim's Loan contractor that this property was still kept empty, even though it was given to Magpie's Nest. So there was a lot of different layers of, I guess, corruption and real injustice that was happening at the time, lots of different layers that we knew about through our direct involvement in the situation and that we knew that it was really like outrageous and wrong what was happening and that that needed to be challenged and that needed to be contested. 
So that's why people decided to occupy 16 Bendigo Street. It was Easter Day 2015. And that's what kicked it off. That's what started the whole thing. That's how I got involved. And so now you're making a film, a documentary film about everything that happened on Bendigo Street and the leading up to it and what happened afterwards as well. Um, so what, what are you hoping to show through the film? What's the, what's the important message that you want to get out um, by making this documentary? The main message that we want to get out to people is basically just to encourage people to think more critically about things because, you know, from an outside perspective, like if you didn't have insider knowledge or insider information or you didn't investigate further about the situation, you would think that everything was just fine and you would think that, oh, if you're homeless, you can get housing because there's public housing, you know, there's public housing, the homeless people, why don't you just get into the public housing, right? But that's not, we all know that that's not really the case, right? Like there are massive waiting lists for public housing, even when houses are giving, you know, there's like this massive like private um, privatization of public housing going on at the moment. So from an outside perspective, you think, oh, social housing, oh, you know, Salvation Army, yeah, they, they have houses, even if there's not public housing, why don't you go get some social housing or something like this? Like, actually, that's not that available either, you know, and it's not that simple. And there's also a lot of corruption that goes on as well and um, things that go on that aren't necessarily what we want to stand for as people who are paying our taxpayer money for this kind of thing. But that's basically the main message. The main message is to think deeper and think more critically and to investigate yourself about these issues before making judgments and before thinking that everything is okay as someone who has not had a lived experience potentially of housing insecurity and housing deprivation mm. and homelessness. Um, and, you know, it started off as being about the 2016 Bendigo Street occupations but it slowly it slowly grew more and more as we kept writing and kept researching for the making of the film to be a lot broader and bigger and that's been really cool but it's basically you know taking a street like Bendigo Street in Collingwood which is a seemingly average mundane normal street just like any other street in Melbourne and kind of digging into the the cement and just being like what's underneath all of this how did we get here you know and then as you start to do that you start to uncover a lot of really really unbelievable history and really like crazy stuff like it wasn't you know it wasn't just the 2016 uh Street occupations right you go a little bit further in time then you uncover the east west link then you go a little bit further in time and you uncover actually in the 1970s, there was a proposal for a gazillion different highways, like the F12, the F19, F19, the F12, F a couple of other things. And there was like all these highways that were gonna be constructed around um, Melbourne and they were protested as well. And so um, I think it was the F12 or the F2, F2, I'm not sure, but it was a highway that, that one ended up being scrapped, that didn't go ahead. But unfortunately, the F-19 did go ahead and that cut off the head of Bendigo Street back then. 
So that's how we have Alexander Parade today. And so that's been really awful, right? Because of all the traffic that that has created and all of the calls for building public transport that have been ignored since those days until now has produced the result that we see today, which is just massive congestion, pollution, and calls for more highways to be built when obviously that's not going to fix the problem because that's just going to lead to more congestion, right? So, so then you go more. I will say. Yeah. Yeah, I was so just going to say, I think it's really interesting because I think of roads protest as something that happened a lot in the UK, but I didn't really know there was much history of that happening here. Yeah, there's heaps of it, totally. And not a lot of people know about it. And I didn't know about it either until I actually talked to someone on the street, on Bendigo Street at the time, whose uncle, uh, one of the longtime residents of Bendigo Street, who did resist the, the forcible acquisitions in 2014, I was just chatting to him and he was like, yeah, my uncle was involved in these protests in the 1970s up on Alexander Parade. And I was like, what protests were they? And he was like, oh, they were gonna you know, build the Alexander Highway and everyone didn't want it there. And so people were like blockading and the mayor got arrested. <laughs> and there's all these like really cool old photos and newspaper articles about that. So that's gonna be part of the film. And then so much other things you know, like the slum clearances from the 1930s onwards where, you know, Collingwood and Fitzroy were presented by the media and the government as these like really, really, I don't know, degenerate, like awful, evil places just, just because the houses were a bit run down or something like this. And they used that to justify these massive interventions and demolitions of people's homes back from, from the 1930s onwards, you know, and these were all very poor working class people. And that's just a reoccurring theme, you know, that's that's gone on since then of just basically poor people being used as a, as a kind of tool for the government to construct their own narratives and then to justify whatever interventions they want to take. And we've seen that as most recently as the public housing lockdowns that happened during COVID, right? So these, these public housing towers are totally uh, ignored by the government as, as uh, places that desperately need uh, renovations, desperately need resources, desperately need, uh, you know, some financial development so that the places can be COVID safe, they need, you know, resources but they get ignored up until the point where something like a COVID-19 you know uh kind of happens there and then all of a sudden it's their fault you know they're the people that have put everyone in danger and they're the people that need to be punished and imprisoned in their own homes for like two weeks straight you know yeah. so it sounds like uh, there's a movie lot sounds Go on. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like there's a lot of issues to be covered in the doco. Um, and it's a really interesting thing, I think, about, I guess, the other theme is gentrification and, and you know, poorer people being pushed out of the inner city. Collingwood is the inner city these days. So that's a whole other story as well. Is there a place that people can find out more about, uh, about the documentary and, and when you're hoping to have it done? Is, do you have a website or something that you, people can have a look at? Yeah, so the website is going to be online in one month. So we don't have it online yet, but 
if people are interested in keeping updated with our progress, then I would encourage them to just send an email to Bendigo Street Documentary. So that's Bendigo, B-E-N-D-I-G-O-S-T, documentary at gmail.com. It's kind of really early days at the, at the moment, so we don't have a website, an official website up yet, but we did kind of release a little trailer and just like a short write-up for an online newsletter that the Institute of Postcolonial Studies was running at the time. So if, if people want to see a trailer, they can go to the Institute of Postcolonial Studies website and just search for Bendigo Street and they'll be able to see a trailer and a little write-up there. But in the meantime, just send us an email and we'll keep you updated with when the website's going to be launched and then when the screenings and fundraisers and stuff like this will be happening. That's yes. great. And we can put those links and email addresses in the, the notes on the 3CR website for this episode as well. Yeah. That's about all we've got time for, Jasmine, but it will be great to have you back on when you're ready to launch the film um, and really looking forward to seeing and hearing about some of those stories of the people that were living at Bendigo Street, which included some older people as well. So um, it'll be great to hear from all of those people too. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. City Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City, City Limits. limits. Patriarchy. Oh, yeah. Smash the patriarchy. 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 Uh, you're listening to 3CR 855 AM. This is Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show. Uh, my name's Shane. I'm here with Fiona. We are almost out of time. Um, Fiona, that was such a good interview. I really liked what Jasmine had to say about the idea of housing deprivation as a way of thinking about housing issues. Um, uh, I like the way that puts the emphasis on, like it's not a passive situation, like you're not, it's not just that you're homeless, you're actively being deprived and that is to say that someone or some system is doing the depriving, you know what I mean? Like it's, yep. it really emphasizes that these are choices that the, the system is making. And it also takes it away, I guess, from people perceiving that it's an individual choice as well. Um, I also exactly. like the idea of documenting resistance over time. I think we have a tendency to forget how much people have tried to stop some of these really obvious social ills in the past. So it's great to hear that there's a documentary coming out about some of those things. That's right. Um, like I said, we are almost out of time. So we're just gonna hit you up with some contact details. If you'd like to get in touch with HAG, um, either to talk about what direct action we might do together uh, or to get involved in some of our other campaign and policy work, um, or because you're an older person in Victoria who has a housing issue that you would like to talk to someone about, you give us a call. Number is 1300 765 178. That number again is 1300 765 178. 
Um, you can check out our website, which is oldertenants.org.au, uh, or you can find HAG on Twitter or on Facebook if you use those social media platforms. Uh, I think that's just about it. Fiona, what song are you going to leave them with today? Today we're going to hear a song from local um, artist Alice Skye, and it's called Melbourne. Cool. So we'll go into Sounds that. Sounds great. See you next time. All right. See ya. Something.